Welcome into the Locked On Senators podcast. We're doing things a little different here today with Ross on his drive home from Ottawa, so I'll be hosting today's episode alongside Chris Parliament. Lots of news coming out regarding NHL award finalists. Finally, it's that time of year. You never thought it was going to come with the way things were going, but we do have an Ottawa Senator in the running, Bobby Ryan, as a finalist for the Bill Masterton. And we're going to touch on the Jack Adams, Vesna, and Lady Bing. Plus, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz will be staying in Sweden next season. Does that affect teams looking to draft them? Especially, does it affect the Ottawa Senators? All that and more, this is the Locked On Senators Podcast. So as we roll along in this very, very strange season, we do have some more news to announce. It's it's exciting getting closer and closer to play in hockey. Hockey, finally, we're going to see some action on the ice, but we do have some awards to announce now that the NHL regular season is officially over. Parley, how do you feel about these awards being announced? And uh, how about your initial reaction on Bobby Ryan being a finalist for the Bill Masterton? Well, I'll, uh, I'll attack that question as you asked it. It's kind of weird looking back so far on what was done and awarding somebody for something that seems like so long ago. But you have to remember, for most teams, they got to around the 73 mark, which is way more than the majority of 82 games. So playing 73 games, there's a lot of numbers to throw around here. And uh, you look at the seasons that some guys have. It's a, it's exciting to see who will be awarded. I'm a big fan of individual awards. I love when a player, especially a young player, can start to build up that NHL resume. Because when he gets into the later years, kind of the twilight years of his career, you can look back at it and say, wow. Look at the body of work this guy put together. The one name that's coming to mind right now, somehow, I mean, if he was on any other team in the league, he definitely would not be in the shadow of a player. But Leon Dreisaitl starting to write quite the resume for himself at a young age. But then you get into the other awards and where people are going to get picked. Not the ones that are just statistical based. We already know that Leon Dreisaitl's got the Art Ross locked up. But our guy Bobby Ryan in for the Masterson, that's exciting stuff. I mean, I love that the NHL has this award. Uh, There's Comeback Player of the Year in baseball. I'm sure there's awards all across sports. But this one, this one's a this one's kind of the feel good, uh, tickle the heartstrings type of thing. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to see Bobby Ryan's up for it. I definitely think he deserves it, and he put a strong case forward for it, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And we'll get into Bobby Ryan in just a second. But I think it's important you touched on that. Basically, the season was so close to being finished. Now, you can look at other seasons like the lockout year where they only played, I think, like 48 games. And some people might want to put some asterisks on those awards, seeing as you only played barely half a season. Parley, do you think this is a season where some of these awards are going to have asterisks beside them, or did they play enough that it's it's going to be out of people's mind that they didn't finish the last eight regular season games, and maybe someone would have scored uh, 20 more points to pass Dreisaitl or something like that? I don't think that's that's a thing for this season, eh? Well, I have two parts around this. This entire season, unfortunately, with what's happened so far... There's going to be an asterisk beside it, unfortunately, with the playing games and all that, everything that unfolds, the Stanley Cup's going to have an asterisk beside it. Another big thing is playing without fans in the building. Imagine 
the audio in that broadcast is going to be ridiculous listening to that. But uh, yeah, I think unfortunately with what's happened, you can't really look back on this year without putting an asterisk on really everything. That's also, I think there's a lot to be said about what players like Leon Dreisaitl were able to do in a shortened season. A couple of years ago, was it not Bert, Jamie Ben or John Tavares who won the Art Ross with like 87 points or something like that? I think it was Jamie Ben that year, yeah. Yeah. And now Leon Dreisaitl played 71 games and finished the year with 110 points. There's got to be something to be said that, man, this guy was able to put up that much and not not even get a chance to play. And you can't even knock this guy well. He did, maybe he would have missed 11 games due to injury. You look at this kid's career, 72 games, 82 games, 78 games, 82 games. Absolute workhorse. I Again, I'm, I'm excited to see in, say, 10, 15 years. He's only 24 years old. Who knows how long this guy will be able to play the game. But uh, I think this will be a guy that's going down. It's a tough team. Again, he's behind the shadow of Connor McDavid, but another tough team uh, in Edmonton to say he's a legend of that team because the list is so long. But wow, I think this guy's going to be really good for a really long time. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Parley. And I like that positive spin on there saying the asterisk is actually going to more of an exclamation point than an asterisk saying, look, he was able to do this with less time. So that's a nice spin on that there. So Let's get to the Ottawa Senator, who's a finalist for an award this season. Bobby Ryan, finalist for the Bill Masterton uh, Memorial Award. And before we get into this, I think it's really important, especially for um, awards that are more opinionated rather than strictly statistical, that you read the definition of the award so you know what you're trying to nail down and who should actually win this. So the definition for the Bill Masterton Memorial Award is... The player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. And the finalists for the award are Bobby Ryan, Stephen Johns for the Dallas Stars, and Oscar Lindblom for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, before we get into this, I just want to make something clear. With the Bill Masterton, it's a little weird to kind of put guys head-to-head and uh, compare who's more deserving. So we're not going to do that here. Um, We're not going to make a case why Bobby deserves this more than Steven or Oscar because like let's be honest any finalist or even nominee for the Masterton has an incredibly inspiring story that's worth recognizing and sharing so we're just going to talk strictly about Bobby Ryan and why we think he's uh definitely deserving of being a finalist and winning it uh so Parley now that you know Bobby Ryan is a finalist let's just talk a little bit about the season that this guy had I mean what a comeback and Let's let's put another exclamation point on his comeback. Getting a hat trick and a fight in your first game back um, in Ottawa after he missed 104 days. How incredible is that for Bobby? I mean, fighting his way back into the lineup. And I think the biggest exclamation mark was put on this thing. Obviously, the hat trick, but the reception from the fans. Uh, I remember that was the lead story on Sportsnet that night. Uh, it was just one of those nights where kind of the hockey world came together. That was one of those things that was bigger than sport. And that's exactly what the Bill Masterson war is supposed to do. It's exemplifying somebody overcoming something bigger than sport 
and still being able to perform at a high level, certainly a hat trick in the National League level, is one thing. I just absolutely love a little cherry on top that Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk were his line mates that night. And two young kids, kind of wide-eyed, deer in the headlights in the National Hockey League, getting to be a part of that. It just kind of brings chills to you, even talking about it what four or five months removed from the night it happened because the excitement they had in the celebration i can still picture it in my mind when bobby ryan tucked that third one i think josh norris had about 60 inches of vertical jumping into that celebration it was super exciting to see another thing that i wanted to touch on with bobby ryan here is sometimes when somebody goes through things like that, they have a lot of regret and they're a little bit nervous to talk about it. And that's something they just want to move on through. But I think it shows somebody has a lot of maturity and has fully made it through the dark times when they can sit down as he did with, I believe, Chris Simpson and just talk openly about it, get it all off their chest. And what a sigh of relief that must have been. And it almost felt like, with that being shown before the broadcast in the pregame show, fast forward maybe two, three hours in the broadcast, it seemed like the weight of his sh- the weight was off his shoulders and he was able to be Bobby Ryan that lit it up in Anaheim for all those years. Yeah, uh, for him to like battle the be- demons like that and come out on top, uh, definitely worth Bill Masterson. Each, like you said, of these guys is certainly deserving. Uh, Bobby Ryan, I think, would get my vote. And I think the thing with Bobby, too, is, and again, we're not going to compare it to the other uh, candidates, but the thing with Bobby, too, is there there was that moment when he scored that hat-trick goal. I mean, even the first goal he scored was incredible, right? Like, he finally came back to Ottawa. It was 104 calendar days since he last played in Ottawa. And then he comes back, and even if he had just scored that one goal, that would have been incredible. But the hat-trick, like... Like you said, just chills, chills is what you're feeling watching that. And league-wide, people were recognizing that. And I think something important about this, too, the situation, is this really reached a boiling point for him. Like, this is probably something he struggled with for years and was trying to deal with it on his own. And then he finally reached the point where he was like, you know what? Doing it on my own isn't working. I need some professional help, and I need to really take care of this. And that's inspiring for other hockey players going through similar things and just other people going through similar things. And the crazy part, we talked about it when he was nominated is he did this all in the public eye. Like imagine going through this and then having a one-on-one national broadcast interview with Sportsnet that's going to be airing for everyone to see about you going over the hardest time in your life. And then imagine having to go over it 10 more times. Ten, like you have to go over it again when you're nominated. And now uh, he did about a nine minute, uh, there was a nine minute video on the Sens Twitter feed about him talking about it again now that he's a, he's a finalist. So having to relive those moments can be really tough. So kudos to Bobby for doing everything. And he certainly gets my vote for the Bill Masterton uh, award here. And let's not just forget what, or sorry, let us not forget what he's gone through in the past with what he was dealing with but if you ever have the time to look up and kind of take appreciation for the fact that he is where he is in the national league now this isn't a battle that's happened just since he started in the national league his childhood overcoming that and being a professional athlete was absolutely wild i think this his story 
is deserving of a Bill Masterson nomination every single year, how much this guy's gone through. So I have a lot of respect for Bobby Ryan. I know we haven't always been the kindest to him on this show, but uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly uh, deserving. So Parley, when he was first nominated, uh, Ross and I shared our favorite Bobby uh, Ryan moments. You weren't along for that episode. So here's your chance. What's the first moment, uh, Bobby Ryan moment that popped into your head? And do you want to hear our moments before you go or just let's see, hear what you got? Um, well, I, I'll share mine first and then we'll see if it uh, lines up with you guys as Sounds well. Good. So when Bobby Ryan came over, I, he was such a good goal scorer. I mean, you talk about it from 2008 until 2011. He was a consistent 30-goal guy, and that's something absolutely crazy that he was able to accomplish. And then he came to the Ottawa Senators, and yeah, his first year he had 23 goals. He was a 20-goal scorer twice for the Senators, but he never reached that kind of peak that he was with Anaheim. But then one night, he went whoop whoop through two defenders and buried it it was the goal of the year and that was the highlights you were expecting to see from Bobby Ryan when he came over from Anaheim and that night it made it all worth it for me we got that goal of the year candidate and that was what I was expecting for Bobby Ryan to came over so it was kind of expectations met and that's sort of the first thing that came comes to mind when I think of Bobby Ryan did I match either you or Ross no, you, ha- you had your own, so that's good. Um, Ross's was the OT winner in Game 1 against Pittsburgh. Uh, that was just an electric goal, and the Selly was uh, absolutely incredible. I think and it was then, Ross's background on his laptop for like four years. It was, it was, and he, <laughs> he mentions that too. Um, and then mine was kind of a funny one. It's He was playing on Anaheim at the time, and it was in the playoffs against Nashville, and he absolutely embarrassed uh, David uh, Legwand going through his legs, not once, but twice, and then scoring a highlight reel after he got past him. And then when Bobby Ryan was in Ottawa and then Legwand got signed in free agency by the Sens, Bobby Ryan retweeted that video of him (laughs) undressing Legwand with the caption, well, this is going to be awkward. So, I mean, I just thought that was a funny moment and just a good cheeky way to uh, introduce a new teammate and have some fun because, I mean, it's all in the past. So, uh yeah, definitely a lot of good Bobby Ryan moments throughout the years, especially that playoff run where he was an absolute animal. Like, sure, Sens fans may have a weird relationship with Bobby Ryan with the way everything's happened, but he's always been a fun guy, and I think he's always done what he what he could in the situation he was in. So much respect for Bobby Ryan and the other two candidates for the Bill Masterson um, Memorial Award. So... With the NHL season, uh, the timetable for this NHL season is pretty crazy, Parley. And the COVID-19 ripple effect of all the dates and times that uh, is going to happen in the future is just crazy. Especially the draft being in October is just so, so weird. And it's it just is really going to throw off a lot of the times uh, going on in the future. But it creates a lot of intrigue on whether draft-eligible prospects are going to stay in their respective leagues We already know it's been confirmed two high-profile guys, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz, are under contract and are going to remain in the Swedish Hockey League next season. Parley, how do you think this is going to affect their draft positions? And more specifically, Locked On Senators podcast, how is this going to affect the way the Sens approach possibly drafting either guy? Yeah, this one's definitely interesting because of all that's happening sort of thing. But 
it also throws a ripple effect into things. They're such good players. I don't think a team will hesitate between picking them to miss out on the kind of potential talent they can have for 10, 15 years down the lineup. Both guys projected to be top six, if not better forwards. I think that's something that you're not really scared of for losing in a couple months. One interesting thing, though, that comes about in all of this, the Senators have dealt with it. Uh, we kind of talked off air about it as well. It was a bit of an uh, Ellie Tolvanen situation as well. It's that watch. All right, when is this season going to end? And are you going to sign him and burn a year of his ELC to bring him over right away to North America and play for your team? So with all of this changing and times being different for when the hockey season will actually start, I think there's a lot that goes into it. Now, it would be very interesting, but I almost think they're too talented to make it a question. Would you agree? I agree for sure um, with Lucas Raymond. Uh, I think Lucas Raymond is is my guy. If he's available, I, that's who I want the Sens drafting at number five. With Holtz, I think it doesn't really hurt him that he's spending another year in Sweden developing because I think there are some parts of his game that he can work on. The interesting part about this is I think it's fine if you're a team, let's say the the Red Wings, uh, the Sens, the Ducks, the Kings. If you're a team where you're comfortably in that rebuild stage and you're not worried about winning or contending or even really doing anything but getting better in the draft and getting more prospects next season. But if you're a team like the Buffalo Sabres. I don't think it really makes sense for you to draft a guy like Holtz or Raymond knowing they're not going to be there because that is a team in trouble that kind of really needs a kick to their uh, rebuild. And they've been, quote unquote, rebuilding for quite a while. So I think if you're a team like that, then you might hesitate with these guys. But the Senators, they're, in my opinion, they're still another season away from contending. So it's perfectly fine if they draft a guy. And let's be honest, the Senators have a rich history with drafting high-profile Swedes, so I don't think that would be enough to hinder them. It's interesting because, yes, there's teams like Buffalo, but also I think, I mean, there's that immediate impact, but I, I just can't see it being that much of a factor. Again, I have Lucas Raymond higher on my draft board as well over Alexander Holtz, but I still don't think it changes all that much. Um, I think these guys are such good talents that you'd be a little bit crazy uh, to pass on them because I be don't really believe there's anyone under them that is going to make that much more of a bang for your buck immediately. Yeah, I think so too. And now do you think some teams definitely want their prospects uh, kind of under their wing? Uh, they want them over in North America playing on North American ice. They want them in their AHL development system. So that uh, they get their coaching systems and work habits and training habits and all that kind of done their way with their high-profile draft, especially if you're drafting a guy like Holtz or, uh, pardon me, Raymond at four, five, six, that's a high draft pick and you're expecting a lot out of them. Do you think that teams are going to be um, worried about not being able to bring them over right away? Or the Swedish Hockey League is a very, very good league. And then you got these young kids playing against men. So maybe that's not the worst thing either. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, that playing in Sweden is a higher caliber of play than playing in 
the American Hockey League, albeit a bit of a different style. Um, having your coach's hands on a player like that, uh, kind of molding them in your way can do some things for you, but can also allow them to grow their games in other ways. Uh, I don't see it being a huge de factor. I mean, you see so many good players get drafted and then go back to junior i would rather have them go play against men as you mentioned over in sweden there's uh nothing wrong with that i also think they get more out of the coaching because there isn't a language barrier for a lot of these guys i mean sometimes there's there's situations where it doesn't really work out for a lot of these guys that are european or whatever coming over and there's that kind of a little bit of a change whereas if you're drafted you can obviously start to uh, make that culture change on in your own way but uh i don't know i think there's a lot to be said about playing against men and um i don't know growing your game in that way yeah and luckily with uh, the swedish prospects especially guys that go into hockey uh, most of them their english is very good so yeah, yeah. for for swedish prospects i know what you're saying about uh with uh, some russian prospects and mm-hmm. stuff like that too it can be a difficult time with the language barrier but yeah yeah more of a generic statement in that regard going back overseas exactly whereas you're from sweden you're definitely more uh, obliged to come over here and kind of understand it right away but if you're talking about kind of bang for your buck players i definitely don't think that there's anyone in the draft that i mean would come over here with that ability uh holtz can come over i think and it would be a smooth transition i think that could be a bang for your buck move but i also think that you would get more of a player if you allowed him to establish himself against men over there whereas if you have kind of a russian player as you mentioned there there can come over and be that a little bit of a stunted growth i agree so um these swedish players it makes it interesting that their career their season starts but i think that we're going to see a trickle down effect and just because these two names came out early i think um again with swedish players it's not going to really change much on the draft board because they're so talented but maybe further down in the draft with guys seasons starting at different times it might it might make a difference yeah and it's crazy to look at when you see all the different um leagues starting at different times and putting their schedules out but also, who knows, you know, with the way um, the COVID uh, closures and um, governments are regulating, who knows if these leagues will even start on the times they were supposed to, right? So it creates a lot of intrigue and it's going to be interesting as we get closer and closer. Let's take a look at uh, some of the NHL players that are already thriving in the NHL and have been nominated for finalists for some more awards. We went over the Senators finalists and Bobby Ryan with the Bill Masterton. But let's let's take a look at some of the other ones around the league. And Parley, three of the awards that I wanted to look at, Jack Adams, Lady Bing and Vesna. Which one do you want to start with? I'll read you the finalists and then uh, we'll hear your pick. I want to start with Lady Bing because I have uh, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to that one. Starting with the most controversial one. I love it. All right. So the Lady Bing. And first first before we do this, this is another um award very similar to the Bill Masterton. So I'm going to read the award uh, language before we start this. The Lady Bing Memorial Trophy is an annual award given to the player adjudged to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. And the finalists are Ryan O'Reilly for the St. Louis Blues, Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Nathan McKinnon for the Colorado Avalanche. Parley, who is your official pick? I'm not going to give you my pick right away. I'm going to go with the biggest qualm I have. And how 
is Austin Matthews in this conversation? Am I remembering wrong? Was he not in a scandal about treating a lady poorly when she was just trying to get in her car? I have no idea how he is up for an award for gentlemanly conduct. Like, what? I, I don't get it at all. I don't think he's a guy that deserves to be in this conversation at all. Do you agree? This is a weird one because I feel like the NHL was put in a weird situation where either it would be obvious that they're not including Matthews in this because of it, because he fits the usual description, right? Like, he's uh, a high standard of playing ability. I think he had under 10 penalty minutes all season, which is pretty incredible. That's usually the first kind of category looked at for this. Um, But then it's very, very glaring obvious that he should not be in the running for this because of things that happened off the ice. And if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, I think this is kind of an awkward position to be in because obviously you're cheering for him, but you know that there's uh, some controversy behind it. I think it put the NHL in a tough spot, but I think it would have been better if they left Austin Matthews off the list here, especially if he wins it. I think it's they're going to have to really do some PR work here. eh? Yeah, like cover athlete of NHL sports. Like he's got to be yep. thrown in there. Do, like if he played on any other team, we would not even be talking about his name in this category i don't think here's a guy that you could put in there patrice bergeron yeah like i I don't get it at all uh to move past this though my pick is ryan o'reilly and uh he had a quote here and uh i'll just kind of he just says i take a lot of pride in being hard to play against try to frustrate guys either drawing penalties or forcing them to take penalties as players i do what it takes to this kind of uh (laughs) Uh, just kind of summarizing here. He just wants to be hard to play against right up to towing that line. So he's not going to take the big penalties or anything like that, that maybe a Brad Marchand will take, not the spears or the slashes or anything like that, but he's going to take it up to that point and leave it there. And I think that that is what this is going to exemplify. I mean, the blues finished this year, 42, 19 and 10 best record in the West. This is their best player. I mean, I think it's, I think it goes to show this is exactly what this is. And I think Ryan O'Reilly is exactly that player. I think, you know, I, I give, uh, I always said Mark Stone would be the guy I would sit my child down in front of a TV and say, play like that guy. Because Mark Stone played the game perfectly. In my opinion, I think Ryan O'Reilly plays that style of game as well. Yeah, well, I mean, a Con Smythe and a Stanley Cup, uh, yeah. it will definitely oh, well. prove that as well. And, <laughs> I think um, Ryan O'Reilly, the one season, I think his only penalty infraction all season was he was at the faceoff dot and they dropped the puck and they did the faceoff and his stick broke and he didn't realize it. And then he won the draw and uh, won it back to his defenseman and he got a penalty for using a broken stick. And that was his only penalty of the entire year. Uh, I think that was like 2018 or something, but just crazy. I'm going to go with. Nathan McKinnon, that's my guy. Um, This is a guy, and I think the leadership group, uh, not only of that team, but that franchise, goes a long way. He reminds me a lot of Joe Sackick in the way that they just had such unbelievable skill, but the kind of guy who other players aren't going to be disrespecting. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to be chirping Nathan McKinnon or calling him anything nasty from the bench because He's just not that kind of guy. He always plays with 
good respect I think he only had 10 penalty minutes all season and he finished with 13 more points than Matthews so he's had an incredible year and I think that's a guy who often gets swept under the rug just because Colorado hasn't had the success that uh, a lot of people expected them to have so Nathan McKinnon's my vote for the Lady Bing for sure and uh, we can move on to the next one now do you want to go Jack Adams or Vesna? let's go Jack Adams Nice. Okay. Okay. I'll give you my pick for the Jack Adams and we'll see if we, uh, we agree. And my pick is John Tortorella with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, what an interesting uh, road that John Tortorella has taken to get to the Columbus Blue Jacks. Just countless uh, raging moments. And he's really learned. I feel like he's kind of taken a look in the mirror and figured out what he's need to change uh, to become a successful coach again in this new style of NHL. And the fact that you lose your best goalie, your best player, and then Duchesne, also another uh, major all-star on that team after the deadline. And so you start the season off like that. Pretty much everybody has you finishing in the basement. It's a rebuilding year. You don't have any goalies, blah, blah, blah. But on top of that, the injury problems that the Columbus Blue Jackets had to deal with is absolutely crazy. And Torts kept it all together. And I feel like he's just one of those guys where he finds a way to get the most out of his players and opposite of what we talked about with the lady Bing towing that line and not going over it. He, he barely goes over it and now he's better at just barely going over the line and getting uh, players motivated to work harder, but without disrespecting them and kind of making an ass of himself. Right? So I think torts is the, is my guy for the Jack Adams award, but the other no, uh, finalists are Elaine Vignon with the Philadelphia Flyers and Bruce Cassidy with the Boston Bruins. Parley, who's your guy? So I just want to touch on John Tortorella too. A lot of people don't like him. I think there's not really any fence sitters when it comes to John Tortorella. Either you like him or you don't. I'm definitely a guy that likes him. I love that old school style of hockey, kind of that blue collar. All right, you're hurt. Who's the next guy up? He better play hard too. Because if you want a spot, you got to work for it. I think that's kind of the uh, culture he brings to the dressing room. And I definitely think there's still a place in hockey for it. I agree. He's kind of toned it down over the years. I don't know, with times changing, I guess, so he has to as well to stay employed. But what he did this year was very impressive. A case can definitely be made for Elaine Vigneault. I think with what was being said around that room and sort of uh, in Philadelphia, he jumped on board with the whole Katahat thing that was kind of funny. That made big news as well. I think he created an atmosphere there where he realized that his best players, a guy like Claude Giroux, he likes to have fun. Kevin Hayes, you go out and you spend all that money on him. He likes to have fun. You need to keep it light for these guys to find some success here. I've heard Yakov Voracek's a guy that likes to have a good time too. So if you have a, a team that's able to compete at a high level, you can kind of let the reins down, and that might help them out a little bit more. But uh, my pick's actually going to be Bruce Cassidy. And uh, albeit he's got one of the best lines in hockey, I think he's a guy that just knows how to work his best players and the rest kind of follow their way he lets a guy like Tory Krug become one of the best players in the National Hockey League because he just utilizes them in a way that's going to get the most out of them I think just time and time again the Boston Bruins no matter what if they have contract issues things like that I think a guy like Bruce Cassidy is a guy that keeps the Bruins logo respected and I think that uh Sometimes you can get lost in the best players, but they went through a lot 
uh, last year. They lost some players. Some other stuff happened. But uh, he's a guy that just goes out there and just he just leads them in the right direction. And he's he's been a stud for that team ever since he took over. Exactly. Right? Like we, yeah. We remember seeing him uh, in round one of the playoffs when the Sens were on their run, and then. He takes him to the cup finals last year and now leads them to the best team in hockey this year. So tough to argue with that one for sure. I mean, all candidates are are deserving, definitely. And we're a goalie-friendly show, so we'd be remiss not to go over the Vesna. The Vesna candidates, Connor Hellebuck, Tuka Rask, and Andre Vasilevsky. Parley, you take uh, you take your pick first here. I I mean it's it's tough to go through each team is so different but uh, I think a guy that definitely deserves recognition is Connor Hellebuck he's gonna be my pick because that blue line was a disaster for a lot of this year and you know what there's a quote for you that really all you want from your starting goaltender is he gave us a chance and that's what his team thought of him every single night he went out there he battled he gave him a chance and this is a guy who I think is uh, very invested in the game. You know, when they were losing in the playoffs a couple years ago, he gave one of the most honest interviews he could give and say, you know what, I do need to be better. I haven't played my best. This is the biggest time, and I'm not playing my best hockey. I need to be better. That's why we're losing games. I think I give a lot of respect to guys that are able to come out and say that sort of thing and back it up. This season, he backed it up under very very rough circumstances. I mean, imagine having a blue line where you're competing and you're the top goaltender behind guys like Dustin Bufflin and Jacob Truba, and they both walk and you still compete. It takes a lot of guts. I mean, your back's against the wall. It's either uh, fight or flight, right? And I definitely think he put up a good fight and I think it deserves to get recognized. I'm right there with you, Parley. Hellebuck was my pick as well. And basically same reasons as you like that decor neil pionk was their best defenseman last season like it's insane to see where the jets decor has gone and then even with that depleted uh, decor they still had injuries throughout the year of those guys they were relying on to be steady guys on the back end and for a fifth round draft pick to lead all goalies in appearances 58 shots faced saves and shutouts this season is pretty damn impressive so Connor Hellebuck's my guy uh, for Vesna as well, and he's well-deserving. As are all, all the finalists for all these awards, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in uh, such a such a random, random season. But we're, we're pulling for Bobby Ryan to get that Bill Masterton Memorial Award because, man, what a, what a season that guy's been through. So all the best. Uh, best luck to Bobby Ryan for that. That's all we have today on the Locked On Senators podcast. We're going to be heading into next week. We're going to do more of the tiered rankings. We're going to do wingers, left and right, centermen, and we're going to tier them similar to how we did defensemen. So if you guys liked how we did the defensemen and goalies, you're going to love these episodes coming up next week. So look forward to those. That's all we have for today. For myself, Brandon Piller, for Chris Parliament, this has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.